Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, praise God. It is a good day. And You know, what did you tell me that you had, was it 62 that showed up for team night? You know, that, that's exciting to me. People getting plugged in and, and, and getting involved. And, you know, I, I've been saying something uh, recently that um, when the pandemic hit, we kind of went into uh, survival mode. And uh, I was talking to someone in my office this week, and, and uh, you know, I was talking about that. And I said, we kind of went into survival mode. I said that, you know, that might not have been the right thing to do, but uh, it's what we did nonetheless. And, uh, you know, the idea was that, uh, you know, we maintain what we have. And, and uh, but just, oh, I would say a couple months ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's time to get out of survival mode and get in church growth mode again. And, uh, you know, the, the person that I was talking to said, well, what exactly does that mean? And uh, so I was explaining that, uh, you know, they, they want to know is, is this about um, just growing our numbers or is it about growing people? Or, and, and my answer was, it's both. It's both. And, uh, you know, if you just grow the numbers but you don't grow the people, then uh, it's not a healthy growth. And, and we want to have healthy growth. And so, uh, you know, we, we have done some things this year and reintroducing some things. And, uh, you know, I, I read a book uh, a few years ago. Uh, by Pastor Robert Morris, and he talked about the the blessed church, and uh, you know he he talked about the fact that um, you know when we uh, sometimes we find our our niche, so to speak, in what we can't stand no more, and uh, and, and I got to say that. Uh, you know, he, he, he said, when, when you see an injustice, when you see something that is not right, when you see something that, that uh, uh, you know, needs to be corrected and, and it just, it, it becomes the, the main thing that you notice and everywhere you go, you're noticing this and everywhere you look, you're noticing this. Um, he said, many times we have found our purpose when we find that. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and for me, it is that my Father God has been severely misrepresented. And, uh, and, and so uh, it, it just became a, a, a driving, compelling force for me to correct the reputation that our father has because he's, like I said, he's been misrepresented. And uh, the, the way that, that most Christians see God, sadly, uh, to say that it's not, the, it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the, it's not the way that God is portrayed in the Scripture. And, uh, you know, what uh, I, I posted something one day on Facebook. I said that uh, 
you know, religion says this, but but God's word says this. And and someone commented on it and said, religion is stupid. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, but, but in, in reality, we get right down to it. Religion a lot of times don't make any sense. Religion is, is, is a, a, a set of ideas that, that man has come up with. Now, I know the Bible talks about pure religion. Now, th- that's good, all right? Pure religion is good in, in taking care of the widows and orphans. And, you know, he says that's pure religion. Uh, but I'm talking about these, these man-made religions, which by definition is man's attempt to get to God. Man's, man's uh, pursuit of God. But Christianity says God pursued man. Aren't you glad God pursued you? Because you would have never found him. I assure you, you would have never found him if it had been your pursuit. But he found you because he knew right where you were. Praise God. Praise God. So I'm so glad that he came looking for me, came after me. Praise God. And so today, we are going to begin to reintroduce, and this has been our theme Throughout this entire year, we have been reintroducing various aspects of the Christian life and, and various aspects of God. We reintroduced Father God. We reintroduced uh, love. We reintroduced Holy Spirit. We reintroduced, uh, we just finished a series, Reintroducing Serving. And now we are reintroducing Giving. Now, now, sit tight, okay, because, see, here's, here's why giving needs to be reintroduced. Because many Christians, they're, they're, you know, I, I hope that you're not thinking this. I hope that, it, you know, uh, if you've been around very long, you're probably not thinking this. But we have some people that haven't been around very long, so you don't know what I'm all about. And... Uh, uh, what we're all about as a church, but we're going to reintroduce giving because this is not the place where we start begging for money. Okay, that's not what this is all about. And, and in fact, um, you know, my subtitle today uh, is, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? And so um, it, we're talking about our Daddy God, our Father God, the Bible says that uh, um, He's given us a spirit of, of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, which translated is Daddy. Daddy God. Daddy Father. Daddy God. And, and so, um, you know, this question is, you know, who's your daddy? If He's your daddy, if He's your Father, then... Uh, um, we need to begin to see him more than anything. He wants you to know, all, all summed up in this scripture, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. The apostle John wrote uh, in 1 John uh, chapter 4, he said, God is love. And he so loved that he gave. Praise God. And so when we put those two scriptures together, you know, and this, this is where we have to learn to connect the scriptures together. Holy Spirit, do you, do you realize that the author of the Bible lives in you? So there is nobody that knows what an author meant, or, you know, what someone meant better than the author himself. Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, and He lives in you, so He knows perfectly how to connect the Scriptures together, and He is on the inside of you to teach you and to bring to your remembrance all things that Jesus said to you. Praise God. And so, when... when we see John writing this, that God is love. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's what he said. 
And then in John 3.16, the same John that wrote 1 John 4, 7 and 8 is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John where he said, God so loved that he gave. He so loved that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25, talks about the, the um, union between husband and wife and compares that with the union between the church and Christ. And here he says, uh, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Gave himself for her. Now, if he gave himself, the Lord pointed this out to me one day. He didn't say he gave himself to her. He gave himself for her. And what that tells me is that there is an expectation that goes along with it. And the expectation is, you know, if, if you've got a car for sale and you say, I want $10,000 for this car. And I show up at your doorstep with $10,000 cash in my hand, and I give it to you. I expect you to give me the keys. And so Jesus gave himself for us. There is something that he was expecting to receive back. Now, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say he was demanding, you know, because, you see, religion demands Religion demands all kinds of things. But we have a relationship with God. A father-son, and that's, that's not a, a uh, if you're a, a lady, then you can still be a son of God, all right? So that, that's not a gender thing. It's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a relationship thing that as as children or as sons of God, uh, we have that kind of father-son relationship with Him. Praise God. And here he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Now, what does that mean? That means that because he gave himself. Had he not given himself, there wouldn't be a church. All right, so he gave himself, and his giving himself brought the church into existence. Husbands, love your wives. Well, if you didn't give yourself for her, she wouldn't be your wife. So you brought wife into existence in that way. You know, she wouldn't be your wife if you didn't give yourself for her. Praise God. And so Christ gave himself for the church. Now, in John chapter 15, verse number 13, notice what he says. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. This is ultimate friendship. The ultimate example of friendship. You know, everybody say, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a friend of God. Praise God. Because, you know, he called you his friends, and the fact that he laid him his life down for you, praise God, that it was the ultimate expression of friendship. And then in Romans chapter 5, we read this. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, right here, we, we said the ultimate union is Christ and the church. The ultimate 
friendship is that he laid his life down for you. He called you his friends. Now we have the ultimate proof of that. The ultimate proof. He uh, demonstrated. He said, I'm not just going to say we're friends. I'm going to prove we're friends. And notice that he said, while we were still sinners. Did, did you get that? He didn't say you became his friend after you accepted him. I mean, do you see that there? That he demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he didn't, he didn't say, you know, if you'll come to me and follow me and if you'll change your life and do everything right and, you know, and fix all the mess that you are and do all that kind of stuff. If you do that, then I'll lay down my life for you. No. He laid down his life for us and then he says, you know, uh, no greater love has anyone than this than that he laid down his life for his friends. Think of it this way. When he says he laid down his life for his friends, he wasn't saying he laid down his life because you were his friend. He said he laid down his life so you could become his friend. Let me say that again because I, I think you need to let that sink in. He didn't lay down his life because you were his friend. He laid down his life so you could become his friend. He was friendly towards you, but you weren't friendly towards him. But he laid down his life so you would become his friend. Praise God. He laid down his life for his friend. Now, the, he demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. Praise God. See, Jesus talked in one place. This is, is something I didn't put in my notes, uh, so it's not going to be up on the screen. Um, but it is, it's just something that uh, the Lord just dropped in my heart right now that, um, you know, Jesus he wanted this relationship with us he wanted to have this friendship with us he became one of us and he dwelt among us identified with us he he has never you know there is nowhere in scripture that it says he took off flesh. He became flesh. We, we see a point where he became flesh and dwelt among us. But do you realize that you have a friend seated at the right hand of the Father? You have, there, there is, the Bible calls him the man Christ Jesus. He's our advocate seated at the right hand of the Father, the man, Christ Jesus. So, he is still, to this day, to this moment, and for all eternity, he is the man, Christ Jesus. He gave himself for this relationship that he wanted to have with you. Praise God. He, he gave himself so that this relationship could become possible. Spend a little time thinking about that. That though he was God, the Bible says that he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him and for him and through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made. 
You know, he was sitting in a pretty good place. But yet, he wanted you. How was he going to get you? How was he going to get, how was he going to come into a relationship with you? He was going to give himself for you. Praise God. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 11, says this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Notice what it says. calls Him a, a, a giver. A giver. This is what fathers do. Fathers give. Luke chapter 11, verse number 13 says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So He's giving you the ultimate gift. He, is give, he, he gave you the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit, we talked about a, a couple series back, two or three series back, we talked about Holy Spirit. And we talked about that, uh, you know, Holy Spirit is God the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I say this a lot because I, I want people to understand it. You know, I hear Christians say, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Well, that implies that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not God. But He is God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God the Word. And... And so, uh, when, we, when, when we begin to see that, when He gave you the Holy Spirit, what He gave was Himself. Praise God. His own Spirit to dwell on the inside of you. Praise God. Now, uh, notice this, and, and I, I want you to see all of this because we're talking about Father being a giver. Father being a giver. Luke chapter 12, verse number 32, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you realize that God is excited about giving you the kingdom? Giving you all the things that you have needed? He, he is giving it to you. Praise God. And he's excited about it. Now, what does that mean? It is his good pleasure. Well, get this. Remember that there's a place in Scripture. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I'm just going to say there's a place in Scripture where it says God loves a cheerful giver. Now, give, it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You think he's a cheerful giver? He is Cheerful about giving you the kingdom is another way we could say that. God's cheerful about giving you the kingdom. Now, um, get this. Psalm chapter 37, verse number 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, a lot of people love that scripture because, oh, that means God's going to give me whatever I want. What, oh, I've got a strong desire for this. I've got a strong desire for that. You know, some of the things people are desiring, um, you know, is not exactly what God's going to give you. Some, some people that, that are, are desiring things that are, that are contrary to what God has said. I mean... I actually knew a person one time that, that uh, was a married man, but he wanted another woman. And he was mad at God because God wouldn't, he said he'd give me the desire of my heart. Well, you know, I mean, you may think that's, that's ridiculous. Well, it was, but it's a true story. And, uh, but notice what he said, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you, he shall give you the desires of your heart. The word desire means this. 
It's a, it's a compound word. D, for those of you who, who speak Spanish, you know that D is of. And sire is what? Who, who knows that one? Sire, father. Okay? So, D, sire, is of the father. So, here's what he's saying. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you what is of the father. He shall put his desires in your heart, in other words. Praise God. It's not saying he's going to give you whatever you want. He's saying he's going to give you what is of the Father. He's going to cause your desires to line up with his desires. But he says he's going to give you something that is of him. Praise God. Praise God. But, but notice here, he's a, our Father is a giver. And I, I, I trust that you've been seeing this theme all through these scriptures that I've been sharing with you. The theme is, Father is a giver. Praise God. And of the Father tells us this, that if He gives me what is of him, he will cause me, in other words, he will put his desire to give in me. This is why he says, you know, don't give grudgingly. Don't give of necessity. Don't give because somebody's twisting your arm. Don't give because, uh, you know, that, that you feel obligated to do it. Don't give because, you know, this, this uh, uh, idea, you know, I, I heard for so many years, I heard that if I didn't give, then God couldn't bless me. Well, the fact that I have something to give means He already blessed me. Uh, do, do you see that? Well, just to say that if you don't give, God's not going to bless you? Well, that's just wrong because if He hadn't blessed me, I wouldn't have anything to give. And when we, when we make a statement like that, if we don't give, God won't bless us, that, that tells me that I'm taking credit for what I have. I'm saying this is the work of my hand. The Lord cautioned against that back in the book of Deuteronomy when he said, you know, when, when, you, when you come, he didn't say if you come, he said when you come into the land, when you receive all of this goodness of the land, he says, remember the Lord your God that it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. So any wealth you have, anything that you have in your possession is only because God gave it. And in fact, the breath that you're breathing right now is from God. And so we need to learn to recognize that it all came from Him. Some people say, well, you know, then uh, we'll, we'll talk about tithing, tithing another time. But I just want to hit this real, just real quick to make a point, you know, uh, that some, some say, well, we shouldn't tithe under the new covenant. Well, because uh, under the Old Testament, they were uh, commanded to take the tithes from the people. And so that's an Old Testament principle. Well, let me tell you, tithing was, was in the Old Testament, was under the Old Covenant, but it was also before the Old Covenant. And it's also after the Old Covenant. It's an eternal thing because tithing really, why do you tithe? You tithe to acknowledge where it came from. And if it came from God under the Old Covenant, 
Well, it came from God before the Old Covenant, and it came from God after the Old Covenant. It still comes from God. And so when I tithe, I'm simply acknowledging where it came from. Praise God. If I give you 10 $100 bills, and I said, you know, here, I'm giving this to you. Now, would you give me one of those back? You wouldn't have any problem with that. I just gave you $1,000. You give me one back wouldn't be a big deal, right? And see, it's that way when we recognize that it all came from God. God is a cheerful giver. He doesn't give grudgingly or of necessity. That's when, when we say we have, don't give of necessity, don't think, well, if I don't give, God's not going to bless me. Well, He already blessed you before you gave anything. Praise God. Praise God. So here in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verse number 7, he says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Now let's connect that with the verse right before it. Verse right before it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Let each one give as he purposes, where? In his heart. And if what is in your heart is what is of the Father, then the Father is what? Giver. Praise God. He's a giver. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Does that mean he doesn't love you if you're not a cheerful giver? No, that's not what it means. It means that he loves the fact that it makes you look like him. Do you see that? When you are a giver, now, notice I said you are a giver. There's a difference. I have seen people that give, but they're not givers. They give, but they're giving with something attached to it. They're giving with, you know, uh, see, here's the thing. God wants to be your father, not your paymaster. And when we start attaching stuff to it, we make... The, the person who is giving, and, and that might be ourselves, we, we make that person the paymaster. God's not, he's not about being a paymaster. He's about being a father. Praise God. And when I say, well, I'm going to give grudgingly or I'm going to give of necessity, I am saying, well, you know, I have to do this. I have to give. You know, and I've seen people, I've known people that give, but they don't give cheerfully. They give for, for the purpose of, of, of making someone else be obligated to them. See, here's why Jesus said, lend hoping for nothing in return. Now, he didn't say we shouldn't expect a harvest on our giving. You know, he didn't say that we shouldn't expect a harvest. Because he goes on and he says that your father will reward you. So we, we know that, that when we give, I can give to you without expecting you to pay me back. See, that, that's what it means, give or lend, hoping for nothing in return. It doesn't mean that I don't expect to, to any benefit for giving. It means that I don't expect you to give back to me. God is the one who rewards me, praise God. And, you know, and there's a principle in God's Word, which we'll talk about another time, sowing and reaping. Well, how many farmers sow 
and don't expect to reap. You know, you just, well, I'm just planting this seed. Oh, well, I bet you're looking forward to harvest day. Well, no, I, I really, I doubt that there's going to be a harvest day. No, if you sow seed in the ground, you're expecting to get something back in return. Because that's how it works. And that's why you do it. But, but. That's not the same thing as lend hoping for nothing in return. Didn't Jesus give himself for the church? He gave himself for the return that would come back on giving himself. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here he says, don't give grudgingly. Don't be mad about it. If you're mad about it, don't do it. Or of necessity, if we've somehow made you feel like that, you know, when, when we do tithes and offerings around here and, and giving, if we ever make you feel like, well, you have to do this, then don't. Don't. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver, but here we see the return on it. God is able, and anytime the Bible says He is able, it also means He's willing, because God wouldn't, he wouldn't mess with your head like that. He wouldn't say, I can do this, but nah, I don't think I will. Well, you know, I can make all grace abound towards you. I can, but I don't feel like it today. See, that's not, that's not His character. He says, he is able, willing, to make all grace, word grace is favor, his favor. He is able to make all of his favor abound toward you. And here's where God wants to get you to. That you always having all sufficiency... Wow, wouldn't that be wonderful to have all sufficiency? In how many things? If we read on, it says, in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. May have an abundance for every good work. Now, Here's the deal. Let, let, me, let me say this. How do you get to abundance for every good work? Well, you've got to start out by having something for some good works. Otherwise, you never get to all sufficiency for all things and abundance for every good work. But he says, have all sufficiency and abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given, all right, dispersing abroad, that's sowing. That's sowing seed. And then he says, he has given to the poor. That means he's giving to the poor, not expecting the poor to return it. Praise God. And his righteousness endures forever. And let me give you a, a good example of that. This morning we did a, a Skype call to Pakistan. And I've been making a, 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 a plea or I've been making, uh, presenting an opportunity is how I'd rather say that. I've been presenting an opportunity to you to... Uh, give towards Bibles for Pakistanis that accept Jesus as their Savior. Well, this morning we did this Skype call with Pakistan, and, uh, you know, we were able to, to send money for Bibles so that when people accept Jesus, they could give them a Bible in their own language. And uh, uh, so... When he says here, your righteousness endures 
forever. See, those who sowed into Bibles, there is righteousness that is going to be produced in Pakistani people, praise God, that is, you know, and one day when you get to heaven and you meet the person you gave a Bible to, they're there, they're right with God or righteous because you sowed something into their life. Praise God, because you gave something into their life. And here he says that your, his righteousness endures, you the giver, his righteousness endures forever. They are forever righteous because something was sowed into them. Praise God. Something was given. Yeah. We don't expect them to send us a check back. It's not going to happen. But we gave and our righteousness endures forever. Praise God. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 10, it says this. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything, for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So what you did in sowing a Bible into their lives, it causes them to give thanks to God. So it results in thanksgiving to God. Praise God. Now... We've been talking about, you know, I, I haven't even said this since we started, or, or uh, since after we just got started, that our, that our subtitle is, Who's Your Daddy? Well, we've showed the characteristics of Father God. We've showed that, you know, and if, if He's your daddy, then shouldn't you resemble Him? This, if there's no other reason to give, to be a giver, then it makes you look like him. Because it's what he is. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, be therefore imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love. And love what? Gifts. Love is a giver. Praise God. Praise God. See, here's the thing. Here's a question. What separates you from sinners? What separates you from sinners? You say, well, I, you know, I'm going to heaven. They're not. Okay. That, it's true. Well, Jesus is my Savior. And, okay, that's, that's good. But here, look at this. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Luke chapter 6, verse 32. Then he says, For even sinners love those who love them. So what separates you from sinners? Even sinners love those who love them. Well, you know, that person's just that person's hateful, that person's, you know, rude, that person's ugly, that person's, you know. What separates you from sinners? Do you just love those who love you? Or do you love those who have given you no reason to love them? See, that's what separates us from sinners. Praise God. Now, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. See, because God is resident on the inside of you, His love 
is manifested through you. And God, what did he do? He gave himself for the ungodly. He gave himself when we were still sinners. Christ died for us. What, what did God do? God doesn't just love those who love him, but he loves them. See, God God's initiates giving, in other words. He initiates it. We love him because he first loved us. And so, if we will take that initiative, when it comes to reaching the, the lost, I think the most important thing we can do is to convince them that God loves them. Because if they know he, even sinners love those who love them. So if they know the love of God towards them, then they return love back toward, that's how you got saved. You got saved because you found out God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you. That's how you got saved. That's how other people get saved. Praise God. Now, here he says in Luke chapter 6, verse number 35, he goes on and he says, But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. For your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your daddy, says Father here, but, you know, we, we know that he's, he's daddy, just as your daddy is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now, verse 38. Then we find this famous scripture on giving. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Isn't it interesting that he talked about the motive for giving before this scripture? Not after this scripture? Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. But he's already talked about that we give because we want to look like our Father who is a giver. And we give because we are givers. Now, there is a reward for that. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But he's saying, if we read the verses before that, starting with verse 32, he said, this is why we give because we are the offspring of the ultimate giver. Praise God. So let me ask. You know, it becomes pretty evident who's your daddy. Daddy's a giver. Are you a giver? Praise God. Now, I know we've been talking about giving to believers today. But if you're on the other side of this thing and you have never believed upon the Lord Jesus, He gave Himself for you. The beginning of this is to accept what He has given. See, you, you don't become what He is until you accept what He did for you. He gave himself for you. So, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then becoming the giver starts with accepting the gift that's been given to you. See, because you don't have anything to give to him until you accept what he gave you. All you've got is you. 
And so, if that's you today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, whether you're sitting in this room or whether you're watching online, I want to invite you to accept the gift. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If you ask Him, He gives the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks Him. So it all starts with receiving the gift. Then you can become the giver. That's, that's another thing. That's beyond. But, but first, you must accept the gift. And the gift is the gift of eternal life. The gift is that Jesus comes and he makes his home in you. He moves on the inside of you. And he begins to change you from the inside so that you become what he is. Praise God. So right now, I want to help you accept the gift. And I said, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, I want you to pray this with me right now. That God in heaven, I, I'd like everyone to, to, to pray along with me. If you mean what you say, then according to God's word, you'll be saved. If you don't mean it, don't worry, nothing will happen to you. Pray this, God in heaven, I believe that you so loved me that you gave your only begotten son, that he went to the cross and died for me to pay the penalty for all my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today, I choose Jesus. I accept the gift that you're offering, the gift of eternal life. Jesus, I choose you. I put my trust in you for my salvation. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love.